immovable links. There are, there are threads woven throughout the whole of Scripture which reach their climax here in the book of Revelation and in chapter 22. The beloved Apostle John has warned the churches not to be lukewarm, but to live out their faith, to conquer with Christ. He's presented us with ultimate reality as he shows us vision after vision of what is staring us right in the face, just behind the veil. John has given us the vision of Jesus as a conquering lamb, a mighty warrior king who is reigning right now. Never mind in some future eschatological millennium, Jesus is ruling right now and right here in the church age. That is the age of the bride of Christ. And it is now because Christ is making his bride pure and ready for the full realisation of his kingdom. For all eternity in the age to come. An eternal age with no more struggle with sin, no more tears, no more war, no more persecution, no more death. The new creation will radiate with the glory of Christ, who is finally and fully with his people from everlasting to everlasting. We're given in Revelation the twin visions of two women and two cities to help us even further to analyse which woman and which city we prefer to live in, which we find most alluring and which has been shaping us the most. So where do you belong? To whom do you belong? Are you Lord of your own destiny? Or do you know the Lord of Lords and King of Kings and bow your knee to him? You see, one day every knee will bow before him because worship is owed to the creator and owner of all things. It's not an onerous thing to surrender to God. Why? Because we cannot flourish. We cannot know true life apart from him. It's not a bed of roses following Christ. There is a cross to carry. There is work to be done. There is a price to pay. But there's a greater price to pay if we don't surrender to him. The question that Christ asked of Peter, do you love me? continues to be asked. It's rephrased in chapter 22 of Revelation. Will you worship me? Do you love me? Will you worship me? Because whether we worship God in spirit and truth or not depends on whether we have tasted of whether we've recognised his great love for us, the love of our Saviour. 
Turn with me to Revelation 22. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree offer the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light. And they will reign forever and ever. The angel said to me, These words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, sent his angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place. Behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy in this book. I am John. I am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I had heard and seen them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had been showing them to me. But he said to me, do not do it. I am a fellow servant with you and with your brothers, the prophets, and all who keep the words of this book. Worship God. Then he told me, do not seal up the words of this prophet, of the prophecy of this book, because the time is near. Let him who does wrong continue to do so. Let him who is vile continue to be vile. Let him who does right continue to do right. And let him who is holy continue to be holy. Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me. And I will give to everyone according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Outside of the docks, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let him who hears say, come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds anything to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes words away from this book of prophecy, God will take away from him his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, Yes, 
I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. Amen. As I say, the sermon is entitled Worshipping God. And if you're taking notes, I've got three H's for you. Firstly, harvest. Secondly, hearing. And thirdly, holiness. Harvest, healing, and holiness. God's harvest never fails to produce fruit. So too, we will not fail to produce fruit if we belong to him. Sometimes though, trees take many years to produce a discernible harvest. It really depends on where we've been planted and how many weeds are growing up around us. I speak as if I know what I'm talking about and uh, Emmeline would probably uh, say, I don't think she's here here this morning, but uh, she's gone to Sunday school. She, she is here. She's at Sunday school. She will tell you of our struggles together on the allotment from time to time with the weeds that are growing there, with the position of, of the trees and the plants. It really depends on the place we've been planted, the situation, and God knows exactly where he's planted us, why he's planted us, what he intends to raise us up for. The blessing of being citizens of heaven is knowing that God's harvest is a reliable harvest. Not like the fluctuating harvests of this world. For example, on top of the restrictions on foodstuffs coming out of Ukraine at the moment due to the war there, Italy is experiencing its worst drought in 70 years. The harvest in parts of the country is expected to be decimated, even half as much as it's normally producing by the current dry weather, if it continues. And we see in heaven, through this vision of John, the tree of life, producing 12 different kinds of fruit. The tree yields that fruit each month. 12 months of the year. There's never a time of year when the tree is lying fallow. It's producing its fruit continually in order that the citizens of heaven would be blessed. Remember, we've seen lots of symbolism, haven't we, uh, in the book of Revelation. That 144,000 representing the fullness of the people of God, the 12 times 12 times 1,000. Also, too, this tree of life is representing the fullness of the blessings and the fruit of God. And the harvest of this fruit, this divine fruit, the blessings of God, this will continue for all eternity. There will be no lack for any one of the citizens in heaven. I'll say that again. There will be no lack for any one of the citizens of heaven. Isn't that good news this morning? When this country faces a recession, the like of which we've not seen in living memory, 
when this world faces catastrophe with its supply of food dwindling, parts of the world already experiencing drought and hunger once more. There will be no lack, friends, in heaven. There is no lack in the presence of Christ our Lord. Because Jesus does not give as the world gives, remember? John's Gospel, chapter 14, and verse 27. Friends, there are many in this country, never mind this world, who do not have enough. People who are feeding their families on stale bread in Afghanistan. Some of them may have meat for their children once a month. Once a month. Never mind once a day as we often do. Oh, we can blame the Taliban, the Islamic extremists, sure enough. They are a judgment on the world. But it does not excuse the chasm of inequality which exists between the rich nations of the world and the poor. Friends, the system of this sinful world is sick, desperately sick. It produces no short supply of great suffering and misery, but it is not beyond repair. The media would have us believe that things are hopeless because the world, left to its own devices, has no hope. Whether it's injustice, the climate, ethnic tensions, disease, doom, doom, doom. Naturalists say that one day a space rock or the dying sun will wipe out the earth. And that will spell the end for whatever miserable life remains on this planet. That's a nice hope-filled message, isn't it? Friend, God's word says there is hope. From start to finish, it's a story of redemption. It's a story of hope in the living God who made all things. For his glory. There is hope for all those suffering various kinds of misery in this life. There's hope for the planet itself because God, the maker of all things, is making all things new. Amen? We saw that in last week's chapter, chapter 21, verse 5. He is making all things new. It's not it's not pie in the sky, it's not the pastor's spin, that's the words of God himself. I am doing that. If you're ever confused as to what's happening, God is remaking the world. God is busy drawing a line under injustice. God is busy showing us that he alone is sufficient. The wonder of heaven, friends, is that in heaven, God gives, but he doesn't take away. If you've been with us through the study in Job, 
you'll know that Job says, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen? That's our experience, right? Whether or not we've experienced God taking away particularly harshly, or not, yet in our lives, we can give thanks, perhaps, for that. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. In heaven, friends, he does not take away. He gives, and he gives, and he gives, and he is there, he is sufficient, he is enough for us all. Here we know loss and tears and struggles with temptation and sin. In the age to come, friends, there will be none of that. Praise God. Instead, the elect of God, the nations who have been gathered to him, they will be fully healed as they partake of the Lord's generous harvest. Notice, this fruit is for the healing of the nations. I sometimes say, don't I, the church is a hospital for sinners. What happens in hospital? Well, hopefully you get some treatment, right? Hopefully you get some therapy. All too often the media likes to tell us stories of malpractice, story, horror stories from hospital, right? Where, where, you know, if you read enough of those kind of stories, the hospital is the last place you want to go. But in church, we have the solution through the word of God, through the testimony of his grace. We have the solution for your deepest need. No matter what your health condition, no matter what your physical needs, God has a solution for your soul. God has a solution for who you are in your heart of hearts. Praise God. Friends, we will be healed fully as we partake of God's generous harvest. And along with the abundant harvest of fruit, there's the continuous refreshing stream of living water flowing down the main street of the city of God. Praise God. I'm glad I've got a glass of water right here. You know, water actually tastes fantastic, doesn't it, when, you, when you're parched, when you're dry. We do have bottles of water actually in the lobby, so if you're parched and dry, you can help yourself to those bottles of water. All right? They are within date, those ones that are out there now, <laughs> I'm pleased to say. But that living water is free. It is flowing down the middle of the street of the city of God and along with the fruit. It refreshes the people of God. You know, when you apply for residency here in the United Kingdom, you, you first apply for leave to enter. Leave to enter. But then after a while, you can apply for further leave to remain. But eventually, to become a permanent resident, and I know many of you understand this journey, many of you know what this journey involves, uh, in order to become a permanent resident, you need to become a citizen. And the machinery of how countries operate their administration is quite fascinating, if imperfect. Dear friends, the imperfect is being replaced by the perfect. The brokenness and the failing nature of our systems here in the world 
are being replaced by the perfect. In the kingdom of Christ our Lord, there's no difference between leave to enter and becoming a full citizen. If you get leave to enter the kingdom, then you are a citizen right away. You have all the benefits that come with being a citizen of the kingdom of Christ. The question is, have you entered? Have you entered? Or are you just still sitting there with a passport, with a vignette in there, and you haven't quite made the journey? Are you happy with your old address in Babylon, perhaps? Quite happy there. You still like to do a few little renovations to your place in Babylon. Because, friends, this is the message of Revelation. This is the message of Scripture. It's a call to spiritual reformation. It's a call to know the new life of Christ, to be born again and to bear fruit for him. So the question is, friends, are we bearing fruit? Are we hearing what the Lord has to say to us? This is another biblical analogy about hearing the word of God. We don't need to say hearing and then responding because all those who truly hear the words of Christ, not simply hearing Pastor Ben read them from the Bible, but hearing the still small voice of God applying them to your heart. If we have heard in such a way, we will respond. We will act on those words. We will act on that voice that we hear. So many pictures that we see in these visions. One is of the end of darkness. So if you want your night to end permanently, then you need to turn towards Christ and not look back. If you want to see his face, then you need to know his voice. Because when you truly hear his voice, then you worship. Then you find your worth in him and not in some back street alley in Babylon, downtown Babylon. You find your worth in him. Actually, we can say you find your worth full stop. It's not that you find you, you used to find your worth there, now you find it here with God. You only know the true value of anything with Christ. You only know that you matter with Christ. The rest is all just escapism. The rest is just all rebellion and self-affliction, self-harming. We hear about that in the media, don't we? Self-harm. It's a serious matter. There are people who self-harm. There are people who do that physically. There are people who do that through imposition of all kinds of mental torture. But the reality is, friends, if we're not with Christ in our daily lives, then we're inflicting self-harm. You see, friends, until we come to Jesus until we see the weight and seriousness of our sin and our deep need for Christ, we do not know our worth. 
Our value is blurred. How precious we are is only acknowledged at a surface level until the light of Christ shines on us. Amen? The world thinks that if we just affirm everything that everyone wants to do, as long as they don't hurt anyone else or too many other people, then we just need to affirm. We just need to include. We just need to be more inclusive, more show more equality. Can't we see how hopeless that is and how shallow that is and how unintrusive and uninvolved that is in our lives? So friends, let us hear. Lord, please speak to us. Engage our whole hearts to give attention to the revelation of your character, your plan and your promises contained in this most wondrous book of life. The Lamb's Book of Life, which we've heard so much about in Revelation. Remember the books that are opened on the great and awesome day of the Lord, Judgment Day? Well, that book of life is full of the names of people for whom this book of life became the cornerstone. If this book of life has become the cornerstone of your life, the guide, the living guide, the light of God for you, the hope of joy found in Christ, then, friends, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. The Bible is the benchmark of blessing. It's the catalogue of comfort. It's the journal of justification. Why? Because it speaks of Jesus. It speaks of our Lord, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the one who it's all about. That's what that means. You know, my old choir director, who also happens to be my brother-in-law, when he's leading a choir, he often says it's all about him. It's all about me. Why? Not because he has some out-of-control ego. Okay, let's be honest. We all have that. Some of us, thankfully, in a more understated way. But he says it because a choir needs a leader. Someone who coordinates it all. The focal point to which we all look in order that we play our part harmoniously and without whom it would all be a spectacular mess. Simon the other day put a link up to a wonderful choir singing some really uplifting music. If you never had the time, if you're busy at work, you never had the time, scroll scroll back through the WhatsApp. You'll see this wonderful a cappella music just lifting the soul. That's what a choir, a good choir does. And it needs a focal point. Friends, you cannot live without Jesus. You can spend your lifetime trying, but eventually you will fall flat on your face, having hurt yourself and countless others with no hope of redemption. 
So Lord, unstop our ears. Soften our hearts. Become the centre of our lives. The blazing centre. So bright that it lights up our whole lives. Anyone see the lightning last night? (laughs) Hard not to see it. Maybe if you got really thick curtains or something, you might have failed to see it. Uh, Quite spectacular. Lighting up the whole night sky. But only for a second or two, right? Only for two, three seconds, maybe, at most. Immense power, achieving only a moment's interruption in the darkened night sky. Friend, the immeasurable power of God Almighty is available to you today. Not for a flash in the pan moment of delusion, but for a lifetime's transformation of your reality to see Jesus for who he is, the most real, most awesome Lord of all creation. Isn't that what, why John wrote? Isn't that why John wrote his gospel? In order that you might believe that Jesus Christ is he. Amen. He's the one who can brightly light up your life for all eternity. And the one who loves you. He loved you enough to pour out his own blood so that you can wash your dirty robes clean. And gain an everlasting subscription to the tree of life in order that you may enter the city by its gates. All the paperwork to support your application to enter Christ's kingdom has been filled out. All the fees have been paid. All you need to do is click submit. Those of you who have been through the Immigration processes will know how amazing that would be. Even the world's best lawyer could not offer you such a deal. All the paperwork completed seamlessly. All the fees paid for. All you've just got to do is hit submit. Praise God. What a wonderful saviour we have. He is holy. And so the question, the challenge for us in making that submission is are we ready to be called out by God? Are we ready to be separate from the world? You see, Jesus' is a different kind of kingdom. We are called to be a part of a new creation a new world with a new allegiance and a new way of living. There's a citizenship test, just like we when we pursue citizenship here in the UK. And there are heavenly tests. And so are we really worshipping God? Like the Apostle John here in chapter 22. How do those who belong to Christ live? They honour Christ, not with lip service, but certainly with our lips, as Christ taught us. 
Our mouths speak of the overflow of our hearts. Luke's Gospel 6 verse 45. So what does the overflow of your heart say? When people listen to you, do they know that you're building Christ's kingdom? Or will they walk away thinking that you're building your own kingdom? Are you pursuing your ambitions or his priorities? You know, friends, these these don't need to be at odds with one another. You can share, if you know the will of Christ, you can share his hopes, you can share his plan for your life. And there is no greater plan. The reality is, though, when we're asking ourselves this question, how are we worshipping? You know, are we showing that fruit? Are we showing that harvest? Uh, we, we can often feel, well, I'm hopeless. I'm not living up to what I should be living up to. But the beauty of God's word is that we, we encounter brothers and sisters who are just like us, just as frail as us, just as feeble as us. Like John in this chapter, once again he gets confused and he worships at the feet of the angel, verse, verse 8, only to be corrected and told to worship God. Direct your worship towards God, friend. The Bible's a long and patient account of how God deals with a sinful, rebellious and broken world. What is the overriding message? Is it that God wants to punish and lay waste to us? Is that the overriding message? No, it's that he is giving us every opportunity to hear to read the full account of his loving provision for every creature. We're told in scripture the rain falls on the righteous and the unrighteous. But there are two cities. There are two women. The people of God flee towards God, towards their saviour, to accept his invitation to come all who are thirsty. Verse 17. Because we want to flee from sin and disorderly living. We want to wash our robes and inherit what cannot perish. The eternal blessings of our God and our King. Friends, his word is unshakable and true. Once again, we're reminded of this in verse 6. These words are trustworthy and true. Friends, the Bible is the only rule of faith and life. The only rule of faith and life. God himself authored it. There is no other document like it. And so we must never dare to sanitize or to edit it. We must never add to it things that it does not say, nor should we take away from it the clear teaching of God's good news for sinners. Sadly, many today want to expunge the very notion of sin. To suggest that we are redeemable of ourselves. 
and that we can shine all the light we need for ourselves. The truth is that we need to know who it is that is worthy of praise. What he has done to save us and how he has promised to never leave us nor forsake us. So let us come to the fountainhead of truth and blessing to be set apart from the world and to receive what we could never earn through his all-sufficient merit alone and inherit along with him his glorious throne. Let's pray.